Hello all of you wonderful people out there, welcome to an episode of Black and White Reviews, my name is Will. And I'm Lee. And today we're going to be uh, doing kind of a double feature that will be released uh, separately. Uh, first up on the docket, we are going to be talking about Coming to America, that was uh, recently released, and I don't even have the page open in front of me, what a professional I am. What year was this released? 2021? Yeah, yeah it just came out. 30 years after the original? Mm-hmm. <laughs> March 2021. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, starring Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, Jeremy Fowler, uh, Leslie Jones, Tracy Morgan, Kiki Lane, you know, a, a whole cast of uh, very, very, very colorful ad- um, actors and actresses. No pun intended on that. Oh, yeah. Um, so, going into this movie, <laughs> I'm going to be very honest. Going into this movie, I was not thrilled um, and there's a no. point, there's even a point in this movie where they reference not being thrilled with, you know, sequels and remakes and, and, and whatnot. And we'll get to all that later, which I thought was hilarious. And it's one of the saving graces of this film. Um, I was very surprised. Mm-hmm. I was very amused. This movie was funny from top to bottom. Um, the, the beginning of it, 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 it kind of, you know, paints a direction that it's going to be nothing but, hey, here's a reference. Here's the nostalgia. And it kind of went in a different direction and I was very pleasantly surprised um, by the end of the thing. I yeah. chuckled out laugh, chuckled out laugh, chuckled out loud more mm. than once throughout this movie. I thought it was hilarious. Um, all in all, really great. Really, really good. Um, yeah. Really good. What did you think about, um, what did you think about it? So it, it's funny because I definitely saw this way before you did. Um, you didn't have yes. an interest. When I first heard it was happening, um, I think the biggest issue people were having was like, oh, it's a PG-13. I'm just like, yeah. And? I mean, if you compare what PG-13 is now back to PG-13 back then, there's not that much of a difference. I mean, I mean re- re- compared to R back then, there really isn't that much of a difference. I mean, movies that were PG back or PG now used to be PG-13. Things are, have been changing a lot. So I'm like, I don't really care. I'm pretty sure that the comedy is still going to be good. Right. Um. As we, as we got closer and closer to its release, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm still going to watch it. But I, so I reluctantly put it on one night and watched through it and um, just uh, I ended up enjoying it. I ended up thinking it was actually pretty good. Sorry, my kid just came in. <laughs> That's OK. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, th- I thought it was. Um, I mean, I laughed pretty much throughout the whole thing. I mean, the story itself was, it was cliche, you know, it was pretty obvious. It wasn't like they were going to throw any twists in it or anything. Um, there were some parts that were a little overdone, but I thought that, I thought that every character in that, um, fit back into their role very well. Mm -hmm. Pretty much every character that was, that was brought back in, it was as if, you know, it was as if, as if 30 years didn't go by, you know, they fit right back into it. And that's my, my first impression of the movie. 
Yeah, I echo a lot of that. Um, when you talk about, you know, things that uh, things that were a little bit overdone, we're actually going to get into that, you know, right at the beginning of this movie. It opens up and, you know, there are pictures, you know, on, on the mantle and on, the, you know, the, the, the shelves and whatnot. And it's very much, hey, these are all pictures that were taken, you know, 30 plus years ago. Remember the original. Remember the original. And right. it was kind of it was kind of over the head. And then mm-hmm. it moves into, you know, everybody kind of files into um, to Prince Akeem and, and, and Princess's, well, Prince Akeem's bedroom and wake up. Yes, it is our anniversary today. And it was very much, okay, this is exactly the way the uh, the original opened up. And then what I thought was yeah, kind of over the top, the only character <laughs> in this movie that I thought was really over the top was the McDowell character. How immediately mm. it's, you know, Egg McMuffins and Egg McStuffins. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Cause it's, it's th- and that's one complaint that I do have about this movie is John Amos and, and his character of Mr. McDowell. In the original, mm. it wasn't it wasn't the definition of his character. The definition of his character was mm-hmm. very much a, a fatherly figure, a boss. It wasn't so much, you know, ripping off McDonald's. In this movie, John Amos' sole purpose in this movie is to rip off McDonald's. And I was like, mm-hmm. eh, that's that's kind of, that was a little bit over the top for me. And then they go on and on mm-hmm. about the, the beyond big, <laughs> the beyond big McBurger that has no meat <laughs> and everybody takes a bite and you can just tell that it's disgusting. And, Yep. That and I was really hoping, like, because John Amos is an amazing actor. You know, going all the way back to seventies when he was on Good Times, just he's phenomenal. And here I was like, I was actually kind of excited because I was like, oh wow, he hasn't been in a movie in a very long time. This guy's in his nineties. I'm really wondering, you know, what is he actually going to do? And it just boils right. down to, oh no, he's not going to do anything but you know, rip off McDonald's for the entire film. So that was, you know, one thing that was a little bit over the top for me. Yeah, I can I can definitely agree. But I mean, I think that's just the joke and that was the humor that they were just kind of going with. It's like, well, I mean, what else what's what other purpose is he going to serve besides, you know, the, the scene later on where he kind of goes back to mopping the floor and he sees him and he and he steps in like a father figure. It's like, okay, I mean, that's really the only reason they would have had him in there. So, like, what else are they going to do with McDowell at that point? Eh, okay. I'll, I'll take so. it. I guess you know, I, was, so. I wasn't too upset about it. You know, they, they had to introduce him one way or another, and that was a comedic part of his character before. So let's keep the comedy going, and then when we have to get serious, we'll bring him in there for, you know, a heart-to-heart. Okay, I'll take it. Cool. So, but, yeah. No, what were you going to say? I said, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, moving on a little bit, we see we see Eddie uh, Prince Akeem. He's out in the courtyard and he's sparring with his daughters. And you know, Arsenio Hall shows up. And the one big thing that I will say right here that I notice is, and we talked about this a little bit um, uh, a, a little while ago. I don't think Arsenio Hall has aged all that well. Um, Eddie. Mm has definitely put on some weight. <laughs> like, he has yeah. old man way going on, mm-hmm. but for the most part, he doesn't look all that different than he looked, you know, during his heyday in the 80s. Arsenio Hall is a different story. He has aged 10 years in in about two years because it wasn't that long ago that he had, you know, the whole resurgence with his show and then it got canceled. And even when he did that, he didn't look that old. He actually looked like he was aging pretty well here. He looks like he's aged a good 10, 15 years since the last time I saw him on television. It's really, to me, it was really jarring. I, I don't know how you feel about that, but it was, to me, that was, wow, like, ugh, nah, it, it didn't affect me at all, actually. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. I uh, whatever. I I guess I didn't follow Arsenio very much, so it, I didn't I didn't catch him when he came back to see the comparison. Um, I thought it just it just made sense that he's older. Okay, yeah, and he makes sense to me. So, so we get some news that um there are soldiers coming, and immediately <laughs> you you cut to inside, and there were these two guards at the door, and they just let they just let this ridiculous soldier soldier army you know, into the castle, and I'm thinking, how come they just let them in? Why would they just open the doors and let these guys in to just kind of run amok? And it was, it was, it was kind of funny for what it was. And <laughs> they're called Nextorian soldiers, and it was absolutely yes. ridiculous. The whole introduction to these people are ridiculous. You get this one guy yeah. who's front and center, the supreme leader of Nextoria, the conqueror of country and hearts. The wrestler of lions, the tamer of elephants, the inspiration for Mufasa, the most well-endowed man in Africa, General Izzy, and it's Wesley Snipes. And he does this ridiculous dance, you know, walking up the line. And it was hilarious for a couple of different reasons. One, it was just a look on on Wesley Stem's face. He could barely keep it together. He mm-hmm. looked like he wanted to no. start laughing right then and there. Like he was breaking. I feel like the entire movie is basically just him breaking. You know, but just <laughs> but like saying, well that's just my character. He's just a goofball. So it, it, yeah, it was nuts. I mean and and I mean okay, Wesley Snipes, you know, we talked about it before. I think you know, I, when I think Wesley Snipes, I think of a couple of things, or a few things, you know, obviously there's Blade, you know, and he was a pretty serious character in Blade, um, and, you know, I mean, well, a few others, you know, White Men Can't Jump, um, obviously, um, Demolition Man, and, and he plays, like, the characters in there, like, okay, it's Wesley Snipes, but, and that, but to see him in this, as this type of character, I'm like, whoa, what, they chose Snipes? I mean, he did a great job, but he I would not have thought job. of Snipes. No, I wouldn't have thought He was Snipes fantastic either. for what they, for how they wrote the character. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned Demolition Man, and it kind of makes sense because he does, he is the kind of actor that likes to go over the top in, in certain roles that he mm-hmm. plays. Demolition Man is absolutely one of them. I mean, what he did yeah. in Demolition Man, he was way over the top in, in that movie. Um, mm-hmm. Another really good movie that he's in, U.S. Marshals, criminally underrated yes. film. It's True. it's it's such True. a good movie. The way that him and Tommy Lee Jones, you know, kind of played off of each other in that movie is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, it's, talking about that for a little bit, I think uh, The Fugitive gets a lot of a lot of love. But um, U.S. Mm-hmm. Marshals, for whatever reason, doesn't. It's not one of those movies that's talked about all that much. And, you know, I, I love that movie. Um, but my go to when when it comes to Snipe is obviously the same as yours. It's Blade and it's Demolition Man. Um, but anyways, right. he's um he makes his entrance here and he's uh he's very upset that Prince Akeem, you know, left his sister at the altar. And the woman <laughs> that he was originally supposed to marry in the original comes hopping in on one foot with her hair the same, wearing almost the same outfit. I would be surprised if it wasn't. And she comes hopping on one foot, barking like a dog. She's still doing it. Thirty years mm-hmm. later, she's still doing this. And they both yeah. Wesley Stimps is very annoyed <laughs> his sister has to you know run around on one foot barking, barking like a dog and she even gives you know yep. a, a very aggressive rough you know towards the end of um of her introduction it's really weird but it was it was absolutely <laughs> hysterical um 
Yeah. I, I brought this up, you know, I brought this up a few days ago that, so in the original, when we last see her, she's, is hopping on one foot and Eddie's just kind of, well, Prince Akeem is just kind of having fun with this whole thing because it's ridiculous. And he says, hop on one foot, bark like a dog, make a noise like an orangutan. And she starts going, ooh, ooh, ooh. And I guess that wouldn't, Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess there's no way to really make that funny 30 years later. It would have just been stupid. So they just went with the whole bark like a dog thing, which, you know, I'll forgive, you know, right. what, whatever. This isn't, yeah. this is a comedy. This is not something that you're sitting down for looking for, you know, nuance and continuity. So I, I'm not, you know, going to harp right. on that way too much. But it was just, you know, it, it works for what it is. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. Gen- Gen- General Izzy, he still wants some kind of marriage to kind of join their families together. It's still, it's very, you know, middle ages type mentality. Hey, our families need to, you know, join houses and become one. And he wants there to be some kind of wedding. And he has a daughter and General Izzy has a son and his son is introduced and it's not going to happen. His son is absolutely ridiculous. His whole... His whole, his mannerisms, everything about him just screams that he is not the best person in the world. And even Wesley Snipes looks at his own son like, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. This is probably a bad idea. (laughs) It's really, it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. Um, You get, you get a real sense here. So you see, you know, Akeem's got three, he's got three daughters now. So... Obviously, the whole the whole struggle here is that clearly, you know, one of his daughters needs to marry, and then that's how everything can kind of go on because he's just been unable to have a son, you know, and that's pretty much what the whole point of this whole movie is. And if you look at it, that's um, that's a big thing for for a guy. No matter how much they they say they're satisfied, they're happy, or whatever, you know, there's general there's generally still a sense of I wish I could raise a son type thing. I'm just saying this as a parent, you know, as a, as a father, for example. Mm-hmm. I'm a father of two two daughters. I love my daughters. And every now and again I go, "Oh man, what would it have been like if if I had a son?" You know, how would I go about raising a son now? And it was funny, you know, I I think because I've had uh daughters, now I'm like, I don't know how I would raise a son. <laughs> like it would be totally different, you know. We went into it kind of expecting a son and we ended up getting two girls and we're like, "Oh, okay." So we're doing that, and I think it's just that whole, I mean, for me, it's the unknown. Like, oh, I'm so used to this, it would be a change, it would be different. But for him, like, he's he's got these three daughters, he loves his three daughters, but he's just like, uh, you know, I did want a son, and obviously my dad wants me to have a son, and everybody else in the kingdom is like, why don't you have a son? So he's feeling the pressure throughout that. Yeah. And that's what he's getting th- throughout everything right here. So, in, you know, for his daughter to marry, it's like, well, this is the next best thing I've got is to basically my daughter will be the queen. Then she'll marry somebody who will end up becoming king and then blah, blah, blah. So that's where this is all kind of coming down to. And obviously we move on to, to to seeing, you know, relationships there and then getting an idea of like where uh, King Joffy Joffer is at. You know, right. he's not, he's not um, doing too well. Funny thing that I uh, funny thing that I read up on because I wanted to know a little bit more about this. Um, that middle uh, child that was in this movie, that's actually his daughter. That makes sense. So I was like, oh wow, they don't. I mean, I wouldn't have known that, you know, just looking because they don't really look anything alike. <laughs> but yeah, that one, the one mm-hmm. with the glasses, the one who's in the middle there, is actually his daughter, and it kind of surprised me because I'm like, wait a minute, that's his daughter. How come she didn't have, you know? 
more of a role in this movie. Huh, that's kind of weird. Maybe she's just starting to break in oh. and, you know, this was her this was her foot in the door, you know, to be in a movie with her dad, which is kind of cool if you think about it. That's Bella, right? His daughter Bella? Yes. I think, yeah, Bella Murphy, yeah. So. That's cool. Okay. So, <laughs> we're in King Joffrey Joffre's bedroom and they go through the whole thing about how he has a son. Um, Joffrey Joffre, he's very much, you need to have a male heir. You would not, you, Akeem, would not be a strong king. You would be assassinated. He's going through the whole gamut and just laying the guilt on. And then finally it is revealed that he has a son and he's trying to tiptoe out the door. And, you know, the order (laughs) basically comes down, tell him the truth, tell him the full story. And we get this amazing flashback. So... It's a flashback oh, to a scene when they're in the bar in the first one and they're, you know, looking for dates or whatever. And they do something really They did a good job with that. They did a really good job with this. So Arsenio, when they when they de-aged him or they're using CG or whatever, it did look a little off. I, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. He, he looked like he looked like a a woman. He he looked like he was wearing eyeshadow. You know what I mean? Right. Like he looked like right. he had mascara on, and I and I'm like, okay, that that's kind of jarring. But you know what? I'm gonna go with it. You know, it's it, the it, 80s. It, it, it was the 80s. Yeah, I'll it, accept it. it was, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Arsenio wasn't wearing mascara in the 80s, so I'm like, eh, whatever. I'm eh. I'm I'm just gonna go with this. But the only reason why I bring it up is because when you you know get to a little bit later in the same scene, Eddie looks amazing. Hmm. You know, it's really like, okay, that's, that looks really good. And they even did something really cool where they have, so they have young Arsenio and he's at the bar and he's talking to these two ladies and you look in the background and they're, they were able to like kind of splice footage from the original movie into the actual scene. And they would, they right. just had like a brand new foreground thing going on. And I thought that that was really cool. The way that they were able to they do did that. A re- I think they did that a few times. I think that they even used some of him talking to people, but changed the actresses he was talking to. Yes. Because um, I rewatched it again. I was like, wow, they actually, they did an amazing job saying, how can we use as little CG as we really need to? Exactly. And use the old footage to fill in these gaps. And they did it. And I think that's impressive. I mean, if you're going to have to do it one way or another to de-age people, you have to do it. But I was I was very impressed with how they did it here. I can I can forgive areas where the CG was not perfect just because they made efforts. They made efforts to cut that down, and I'm like, I'll take it. That's pretty good. It's it's something that I really hope um, becomes established, and you see a lot more mm-hmm. in movies moving forward. You know, I would re- I would much right. rather see the way that it was done here rather than you know proper you know cgi de-aging methods like because the way that it mm-hmm. was done here was brilliant i i thought it was really cool it well, was it was almost like it was almost like a practical effect because they were able to use old, mm-hmm. old footage and just put a new foreground in place and it was really clever right and but my so my concern is we do like it but if they went any further than that it would have been overkill with them just using old footage and right. we're like, ah, stop recycling the old stuff. So the balance they use is what I like about it. Not so much that they just used old footage, but they had a good balance. It was used sparingly. Yeah. And so, so and that reminds me of, <clears throat> of one issue I do have with rogue one. And I know we've talked about it before. Um, so in rogue one, we see, um, 
Grand Moff Tarkin. We see him. We see him from behind, and all we see is his reflection in the glass. Right. Mm-hmm. As he's talking, I thought that was brilliant. And they didn't have to turn him around for us to see the CG, but they did. And I'm like, ugh. You know what? They did something very creative. It's like, ooh, if it's a reflection, you won't notice the differences, especially in the eyeballs and stuff, that it's, you know, clearly just like some PlayStation 5 looking character walking around. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, that's the best way to put it. It's video game quality. You know, it's, it's really good video game quality. It's not real enough to look like it's a real movie. So if they just stuck with what they stuck with originally and didn't have him turn around and then show him in the light later, I would, I would have been so happy with it. I'm like, you guys were creative. You did it in a really good way of bringing a character back without actually having to really bring him fully back like that. But they went too far. And I think that's what I'm talking about, about balance. You know, you can do it to a certain point. You can do CG um, to a certain point. But when you when you do too much of it, you get Jar Jar Banks, you yeah. know, and, you're, and yeah. you know, Jaw was hanging from Dubacks and stuff like that, or whatever that gigantic thing was. You know, it's just, it's not necessary. Please keep it toned. Like, it's supposed to be used to enhance a movie, not create an entire scene. Unless you're making a Toy Story movie or something, you know? That's when you just do CG everywhere, you know? But anyway, that's my, my rant on computer-generated uh, computer images. You see, I, I've never, I've never been on the same page with you about CGI because I don't, I don't see the flaws that you see. Like when you, when you go on and on about, you know, the eyes don't look right, and that's like the one big thing that you harp on when it comes to CG, especially when it comes, you know, resurrecting certain characters that have, you know, passed away, kind of like Grandma Tarkin from, uh, from Rogue One. I don't have a problem mm-hmm. with the eyes. I don't see the flaw. Maybe I'm just blind to it, but I, to me. It's mm. it looks as good as the real thing, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. As somebody who really enjoys um, <clears throat> creating practical effects, you know, for projects I've done, it's just I know how much gets put into it. I know how easy it would be just to CG certain things, but I feel like practical effects has it's almost like listening to vinyl. You know, you can listen to an MP3, but you can tell that it's just like this little MP3 file, as opposed to taking like a nice you know, like heavy gram, you know, record, plopping it down on your turntable and playing that through some nice warm speakers. You know, right. there's a difference there. You know, there's a there's a fabrication when you get an MP3 or less file, you know. So that's what, what bothers me. Like there's 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 a lack of warmth. The eyes are too glossy. They look like they've you know, they they look like they're just polished marbles. You know, they don't look like eyeballs. And that's why they say the eyes are the window to the soul. You know, if the eyes are are not there, you know, whatever. Um, which is why it was always confusing with like superheroes. You know, like their eyes are exposed. Why don't they wear goggles? Because <laughs> people could recognize who people are by their eyes. But anyway, that's that's a whole other topic. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, the the point here is I enjoyed the balance, and they mm-hmm. did a great job. Yeah. So moving on, uh, Arsenio, he's, you know, walking around this club and he's looking for dates for him and Akeem. And we get Leslie Jones and she is just as raunchy as she wants to be. She is phenomenal. She is just Leslie Jones in it. Hmm? <laughs> she is just Leslie Jones in it. Exactly. It, she's 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 phenomenal. She is absolutely phenomenal. I I feel kind of bad for her because I think she has a really, you know, bad rap right now because of you know, everything that happened with that horrific Ghostbusters movie that came out a couple of years ago. 
Um, a eh. lot of backlash when it came to that film on everybody involved with it, and it's really not fair. I really hope she gets, you know, kind of a second chance in Hollywood. I hope she makes it somewhere other than just SNL. So th- there is that. That's what I will say about her. Um, they're going through yeah. this whole story about how Akeem, you know, fathered a son with this woman, and Semi's telling this story, and... We cut back, and Akeem was like, that is not what happened. She offered me some of her ceremonial herbs. And then, as I remember, a <laughs> wild boar jumped into my lap and started ramming me and ramming me and ramming me. And then he realizes, oh, that's what happened. And he lunges at Simi, choking him half to death. There's this really weird witch doctor in the room, and he just spits on Simi. Baba. It's absolutely Baba. And he, it's just, it's the whole thing. Was is that just, Simi's dad? I don't know. I know, or like it was his grandfather Arsenio. or something. So I know it was Arsenio Hall, like in heavy, heavy, heavy makeup. But other than oh, that, yeah. it's like no. I'm like, there's no. I don't. I didn't think there was a relation. Like, I didn't think there was I thought, a relation. I thought here. they they kind of like alluded to that at one point, but maybe because he was calling him Baba, so I thought it was like a name for like Papa or something. I don't um, know. I've never heard like I've never heard Baba be. Re- I don't know. I thought I thought just, I don't know. I've, I I've heard I've heard a lot of really name. name really weird names. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. But hey, whatever. So we get through this whole thing, and then this whole storyline is dropped because King Jeffrey Joffer, he <laughs> he knows he's getting ready to die, <laughs> and he gets the bright idea that he wants to have his funeral now while he's alive. That way, he can enjoy it. And the whole thing <laughs> in, in in complete Joffy Joe Fur fashion, in complete. <laughs> no, in complete James Earl Jones fashion. Like this is this was this was amazing. Just the way that he got with this whole thing going going forward. And mm. you cut to to the throne room, I guess. And here's his casket and they open it. And he's just in there with like just creepy old man smile, just like ready for whatever <laughs> happens. And Morgan Freeman makes his appearance and I lost it. I was like, how more <laughs> he's Freeman? announcing the whole thing. <laughs> exactly. Narrating the entire funeral. This was amazing. Like you yeah. get- <laughs> Oh, it was epic. I mean you you have the two you have the two greatest voiceover men of oh all time. The two greatest narrators ever of all time. And they're yeah. here. <laughs> One of them is narrating his funeral. Oh my God! You know, I it, it, that that brings me something up. I wonder if Morgan Freeman has his voice copywritten, because James Earl Jones does. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought about it. So I mean, yeah, James Earl Jones has it <laughs> had to because they they used his voice for CNN. Remember that? Did they? So. In an interview that he did with, probably with CNN, he says, if you were, they said, if you were ever to announce, you know, if you were ever to, like, you know, work for us, uh, what would you say? Like, how would you announce us? And he goes, this is CNN, right? Oh. They took that sound clip from it, from an interview and they used it for CNN. And he, like, he and his, his legal team, like, flipped out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, how messed up is that? They, 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 they like... They like tricked him into, into getting him to do work for them. Like, well, we never said it was James Earl Jones's voice, you know. But he was like, "That's clearly my voice." You no, they just voice. wanted the voice because of how iconic it is. I get that. Wow. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's really yep. weird. 
They, they they like they like Aladdined him, like genied him. Remember in the beginning, he's like, "You can't even get me out of this cave." He goes, "Oh yeah," and he's like, "Oh, you're down, you're down to th- uh, two wishes." Oh no, that wasn't a wish. You got us out yourself. <laughs> you know, that's basically what happened here. Is they they tricked him and got his voice and like, "Oh, we're gonna use this." Like how how sneaky? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of shady. But my thought was, my my thought was, if I could, if I could mimic, um, a voice. Like Morgan Freeman or James Earl Jones. I mean, Morgan Freeman would probably be a lot easier. I can't, I, I can't do it. I'm not even gonna try right now. I've have had some good times, some good nights and bad nights, but as far as trying to do it, but I don't think my voice is in the right Morgan Freeman mode right now. But <laughs> so, anyways, like we were uh, talking about uh, Morgan Freeman, he um he makes every introduction in this thing. He's narrating over. Uh, King Jeffrey Joffrey's funeral, mock funeral, whatever you want to call it, and <laughs> he introduces yeah. In Vogue. And In Vogue! <laughs> he introduces In Vogue, and King Jeffrey Joffrey is so happy to see In Vogue. And again, creepy old man smile up and down his face. It's amazing to see. In Vogue I was happy come- to see In Vogue. I'm like, they They exist? <laughs> of course they exist. Why would what they? a king, what a king, what a king, what a mighty good king. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. It was it was so well put together. They go through the whole dance and number and then they introduce Salt and Pepper. And I'm like, okay, we're really <laughs> we're really going, you know, full on eighties with with this thing that's going on right now. Well, was that nineties? Wasn't not all '90s though technically. They that, were. I think En Vogue so, and Salt and Pepper were. En Vogue and they Salt were more Pepper. mainstream. I think in '90s they were mainstream in the '90s, but they both they both got their starts in in the late '80s, around the time when you yeah. know the original came out. They were, yeah. you know, they were big in the in the New York scene around that time. So it makes sense for you that know so for funny. them to make an appearance in this movie. Um, we get all of that. And the, the narration continues, and then things get very, very somber, and the king and Prince Akeem, they have kind of a face-to-face, and King Joffrey Joffrey's, I'm going to die now. And then he just kind of closes his eyes, and he's dead. <laughs> he's just gone. <laughs> while, this, while this somber, you know, music is going on, very choir, you know, type type singing type deal, and it's it's hilarious. From top to bottom, this entire thing was hilarious, and the fact that you had... Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman narrating <laughs> over the entire thing just made everything even better for me. This was amazing. Oh, yeah. So I, I will say that. Um, yeah, no, it was perfect. Moving on a little bit, the next scene we get is a statue of King Joffrey Joffrey, but it doesn't look like it belongs in Zamunda. The statue looks like it belongs <laughs> in North Korea. It, it's very reminiscent of, of Kim Jong-un or Il or Sun, whichever, you know, both of them, both, both, the, both, both, both the dudes who were over there, you know, standing high in, in North Korea. And it's, mm-hmm. it's hysterical. The fact that they even, oh, yeah. you know, bothered to do something like this. I thought it was amazing. Um, Ridiculous. Yeah. So Semi and Nakeem, they're having a conversation and Semi's very much like, you are king now. Berate me. Hit me. Do whatever you yeah. want. Threaten me. And he's going on and on. It'll make you feel better. <laughs> we are going back to America to find my son. Oh, hell no. Like, it was, it, it was awesome. No, it was, it was, it was perfect because he's just basically he's like, hey, whatever you want to do, I, I'm your punching bag. Go ahead. Let's do it. Let's do it. Anything you want. Anything you want. Your, your majesty. No. <laughs> We're going it's, back what's to that America. meatloaf song? I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> but not that. <laughs> so 
we're back in America and you see the jet, this golden jet with James Earl Jones' face <laughs> plastered on the tail end. And it was, <laughs> it was great. Uh, it was great. So we're in America now and his son, and I, I'm going to appreciate this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something about this right now. I thought that maybe what they would do is play that game like, is he his son? Isn't he his son? What are they going to do here? But they don't do any of that. They just, you're going to accept don't. this is his kid and we're moving forward with the story, which I really liked. Yep. They're they're getting rid of yeah. that whole tropey thing that, that happens in movies like this all the time. Like, you have a, you know, secret kid out there. Oh, is he my son? Is he... They don't do any of that, which I really appreciate. Well, you, they're just they're 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 sticking with the plot and they're just trucking ahead forward, and we just have to accept that this these are the facts. And I like that. I really I appreciate agree. That. I I agree with that to a point, but there's one thing I would have changed. Um, so when he finally goes up there and <laughs> you can't go out there dressed like that, so he goes back into like his full like <laughs> I love New York, I heart New York get up, which is like ridiculous. He's like, hello. <laughs> you are my son. Like he just, he just. It, but the thing is, so Lavelle, his son Lavelle, I, I like how he was introduced. Actually, he go, he's mm-hmm. going in for an interview, and he has that interview with Colin Jost. I mean, to, oh my to God. not cut the. I thought that was phenomenal, Colin it, Jost. I mean, I <clears throat> I don't like SNL's writing, and Colin Jost is the the new head writer of SNL. I mean, new. It's been years now since Seth uh, Meyers left, mm-hmm. um, and I think that. I, I don't want to just poo-poo all over it, but I just I feel like the, everything went really downhill when when Seth Meyers um, left SNL. You don't want to you don't um, want to you, you don't want to poo-poo all over it. I will. SNL is a shell of its former self. I mean, you go back to the eighties, yeah. nineties, and early two thousands, and these were golden years where almost any mm-hmm. skit that you watched from that era for like you know a good twenty years. You're, you're going to find gold. You're going to find something, you know, on that program yeah. that you really enjoyed and that you were going to laugh at. You know, but True. like you said, ever since Seth Meyers, you know, made his exit, <clears throat> it, it, it has not been the same. Everything. But, but here's the thing. It, we we are we're at an age, um, you know, you and I are at an age. We're in our mid 30s and we're at that point now where we're the grumpy old men like, ah, oh, things were better back in our day type thing. Like, that's <laughs> where we're getting. So it's easy for us to sit there and. And handle it like this, you know, to to go at it in this direction. But I mean, I don't think I don't think S- SNL has a, had its ups and downs. They have. I don't they think have had years where they time, were not good. I don't think there's ever been a time where comedy suffered so much. Like the the reason, one of the biggest reasons why SNL isn't funny anymore is because of you know PC culture and you're not allowed to really offend anybody right. and you have to be careful about what you say. That's never mm-hmm. really been a thing. That's something very recent. It's something very millennial. I feel like that's that a big a very, reason why yeah. that, that 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 SNL has suffered. So I mean, if you want to call us, the, you yeah. know, the grumpy old men complaining, you know, go for it. But I mean, it's just you know, it's you can't compare to to the way things were on SNL, especially you know, fifteen years ago at at, at the very least. It's very 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 mm-hmm. different comedy in general is you know very different so it's it's yeah it's, you and me, i do discuss really a lot of stuff too yeah you and i have discussed a lot of things we're like wow this could not have been made today no and no i mean way. i i i get caught on the on the clickbait stuff like that where like a lot of millennials are saying that they that they are offended by such by seinfeld now and i'm like well of course they are seinfeld ripped on a bunch of people you know like that was <laughs> that was what it did like man hand soup nazis like they said soup nazi ah like yeah the, the guy was like German, and he was being a Nazi. Like he's a soup Nazi. <laughs> like 
it made sense. Okay, whatever. But I mean, the I'm whole point honestly, is, I'm honestly surprised that you don't have people out there calling Seinfeld anti-Semitic when in fact they're yeah. all Jews. <laughs> like we're getting to that point where eventually, I'm not going to be surprised when that conversation comes up. <laughs> like it's it's well, you know what's be funny? Ridiculous. What what's funny about that is there was an episode of Seinfeld where Brian Cranston was in there as a dentist. Yeah, I don't know if you've actually watched Seinfeld, and he was he he became a Jew, and Seinfeld Jerry was like, I think he only became I think he only converted because he likes the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, this whole reason for becoming Jewish was so he can say Jewish jokes and not be offensive. <laughs> right. So it's, it's and it's and it's funny because that really kind of ties into what we're getting at here, but. The the thing is, no matter what you are, no matter what your background is, you can offend everybody. Yeah. You can offend your own kind. It's like we're really at that point now where it's like, how can we even really have comedy? I mean, one of our earliest um, conversations that you and I had and we did for our podcast was Blazing Saddles, which if that that movie wouldn't even get past script writing. Today. No. Never no mind. Way. No like anything way. else. And it's but the thing is. The whole point of that movie was, yeah, there's a bunch of racist people in here, but they can still laugh at it and they can say in the end, here's the good message. The message is they were all being racist. And guess there's who a wins? Lot of the things. people who there's, were being There's a lot of things from that era of film that wouldn't be able to be made today. I feel like guys like Mel Brooks and and you know Richard Pryor in general would have been, you know, driven oh, yeah. out of Hollywood. Mm. Today. Like there's no I, I, I still, way I still they wonder. been able to survive today. I still wonder what that movie would have been like if Richard Pryor was available to play <laughs> Sheriff Bart, you know? I mean, obviously, well, we he was not in the in the position to do it at that point, but... No, he wasn't, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but he, yeah, he so, was the original cast. Cast hmm? choice. He was the original choice, though, for Bart. No, I know he was, little. obviously. I mean, him and Gene Wilder, you know... Joined at the hip, oh, yeah. you know, during that period of time, they oh, were in man. everything together. I've, I've got, I've got a collection of their movies here, and I, I love them. I mean, see no evil, hear no evil, um, another you, um, stir crazy, uh, silver streak. They're phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal films. Yeah, all classics. I mean, all classic just, films. Just sil- silver streak. Do 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 da da da. Be cool, man. Let it let the coolness go through you. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so we're in a. I'm gonna I'm gonna move forward. We're veering off. I'm gonna yep. move forward. Sorry, we're sorry. in America. I just and love that movie. <laughs> his son, uh, Lavelle Johnson, he's sitting down with an interview, and he um he thanks the gentleman for seeing him. Well, thank you, Mr. Duke, for seeing me. But you can't call him Mr. Duke. You gotta call him Calvin because oh, yeah. you know his grandfather mm. and his uncle. They were Mr. Mr. and Mr. Duke. And there's this portrait yep. on the wall of duke and duke straight out of trading places and i think this is incredible because there was a reference to duke and duke being poor in coming to america but coming to america Mm -hmm. wasn't in the world of trading places there was just that 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 little easter egg there and they're bringing it back here Mm -hmm. so i just that's that's hysterical to me the fact that they make a reference of a reference in this movie and it makes complete sense and it hits on all levels it's hilarious i loved it it was in the same universe they made it in the same universe because at the end of of the first one remember they ended up getting like a dollar or something like that or getting money and like hey we're back yeah exactly that's how they got their fortune back by so yeah it's it was all connected that's what makes it good they've done that with a ton of movies i know i think we talked about it before with like brendan fraser like Brendan Fra- uh when they did Encino Man, 
Mm-hmm. After Encino Man, every single Pauly Shore movie after that, Brendan Fraser, Fraser would make some type. Of, <laughs> he would make some type, kind of cameo in there, and and he would and he would always be playing basically Link, you know, the caveman, and he pops in, and I think it was um, in the Army Now, which was one of the last um, Pauly Shore movies before like Biodome and stuff like that. But it was it was the last of that series that he did, where he did like um, Encino Man, Son in Law, um, in the Army Now, and I think there was another one. Um, oh, yeah. But um, in that same realm, he pops up and he's just like, oh, don't eat the ch- chicken. It tastes just like frog. Enjoy. And he walks away and you're like, what? Because he was like eating frogs in Encino Man. So having little cameos like that that are very simple, very small, and but they have like a big impact in, some, in one way is cool. So with the Dukes, obviously there's an impact here because he's seeing their uh, grandson or whatever, you know, um, who's, who's in a position of power. And but that conversation was hilarious because at one point he's just like, oh, someone like you. Oh, your guy, uh, Neil Tyson DeGrasse, whatever. Um, <laughs> he's like, yeah, and I'm dude. sitting there. I'm, I'm even going like your guy. Oh, my God. Like, I'm feeling offended at this point. <laughs> and it was it was great because you see Lavelle and the whole point that you're getting here is Lavelle comes in. And I, I remember his uh, his uncle there, Uncle Reams, uh, Tracy Morgan, who's like, don't use white voice present. It's <laughs> 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 like, don't use white guy voice. Don't use white guy voice. Present. Yeah, it was really, it was, it was really, it was great. really funny. This was great. This was but absolutely I think, great. The thing, what I like about it is they could have easily done something very different with this movie, and I thought that they were gonna make it where when they first showed Prince, uh, or sorry, General Izzy's son, and he was like all like you know crazy and weird. I thought that's how they were gonna play up Lavelle, but they didn't. No, and I really, really enjoyed the fact that Lavelle was actually like he had his own thing about him, which was very different than than Akeem, but. The whole point of the story was you're going to be the prince from Queens, yeah. you know, and that's that's the whole point here. And I love that they didn't make him a dummy. They didn't make him just too goofy. They had some they had a culture shock that was going on, which is always funny when you can put that into a comedy movie culture shock. Mm-hmm. But they didn't make him an idiot. They made him they made him a very intelligent guy. They could have very you're intelligent. Right, they the could have very easily made him dumb. <laughs> right. Right, and then they, and they could have made the story go a different direction, and then in the end, blah blah blah, whatever. No, they did a great job with this, um, with with his character. So they showed him like he is a go getter. He is. Uh, I think the whole point was he's smart. He has the ability to do things, but his circumstances are what were kind of keeping him down. Right, and it was a great it was a great thing to to recognize and to put there. Um, so during, so during, when he got, go ahead. When he's in that, well, when he's in that interview, he's basically talking, and he doesn't back down and just, you know, sit there and present, you know, and just smile and go, mm hmm, mm hmm, to everything. He goes, oh yeah, well, you know, not like you know, my dad just gave me a company and all this stuff and bought, uh, paid for, uh, bought a whole wing of a school so I could get through college and we can forget about that cocaine problem and all that stuff and. But every single thing that he said, he basically called this character, uh, Duke, whatever his name was, um, called him out on all of it. He goes, it was just a small off-site library. And it was <laughs> it was not cocaine. It was what, what, Vicodin or something or whatever it was. Right. It, it, he throws he throws everything right back in his face. And it's funny because the roles were reversed when he first walks in for this interview. Because it was, it's, it's the whole mm-hmm. thing 
of oh, I noticed you dropped out of college. You were a couple. He was a couple of credits shy because he had to drop out and you know help his mom out with the rent because she got laid off from her job. Mm-hmm. And he starts going right. down all the stereotypical you know tropes of you know black man interviewing for oh uh, was it drugs? No, it wasn't drugs. Uh, gambling problem? No, it wasn't a gambling problem. Uh, yeah, uh, pops in the picture? Nah, he Dad, wasn't really in the picture. Yeah. And he just harps on this like this Calvin character just hops on. Oh, your dad wasn't in the picture. That's why you are mm-hmm. the way you are. And this immediately the roles reverse. Oh, well, it wasn't like I was handed a job because my dad donated a building so you could get into an Ivy League school and you had to hide that Coke habit. And it wasn't Coke. It was Oxy. And my mom took me. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. And the funniest part is I can't wait for a picture to show up with you in blackface. I wasn't in blackface. Yeah. I was in blueface. I was Will Smith's Aladdin. Yeah. Like, really, dude? <laughs> And again, and again, that's what I was saying. I was like, I okay, I know we we jumped way off about the comedy thing, but Colin Jost, I thought that I feel like he didn't write this because that's why it was funny. <laughs> it was it was actually really funny. It was well put together. But yeah, the whole thing is like, <laughs> the, I can't wait for that to pop up. Blue face. You're like, it was it was blackface under the blue face. <laughs> Okay. You know what? It's funny that you bring that up because watching this movie, I feel like because Eddie is credited with writing a good chunk of this film. I feel like he's kind of mixing his two comedy styles together. Like there was and Mm -hmm. we talked about this the other day when we first tried to do this. There was a clear divide in in Eddie Murphy. um, Right. Between I want to say the, the, the divide was the movie Metro. Before Metro, mm. he was very, like, on top of the world, you know, funny man Eddie Murphy, you know, throughout the 80s and the early 90s. And then Metro happened, and then after that, you get Nutty Professor. And there's a very clear difference between those two styles of comedy. One is, you know, right. very, you know, adult humor, and that was a target audience. And then after that, it was very family-friendly, I want to do something for the kids. In this movie, it's almost like he's trying to mix those two things together because you get the feel-good, right. you know, heartwarming, family-friendly moments but at the same time you also get a lot of that adult humor that he used to have back in the day and mm-hmm. in, in this scene and a lot of things that are going on in this movie you do get kind of both so I kind of like that right. Like it's almost like he's mixing you know the both of these worlds together and he's almost I, I don't want to get ahead of myself but it's almost like Eddie Murphy's trying to reinvent himself again and I really hope he moves forward with this like I wasn't mm-hmm. excited for coming to America but I'm glad that we got this movie and I hope something else happens down the line. Like I wouldn't be upset if we got, I don't know, another, another 48 hours or a Beverly Hills Cup right. four that was supposed to happen for, for, for whatever reason it, it didn't. Oh. It's, it's like Ghostbusters. This yeah. is just stuck in production. So I'm, that would be amazing if it does. Hmm. That would be amazing. That would be amazing if it does happen. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that. Like there was one time. So Eddie Murphy, <clears throat> what was that movie called? The tower. The Tower Heist? Tower Heist. Yes. Did you see that? With Ben Stiller and... uh, Okay. I didn't. It was really interesting seeing him in there because his character was very different. Like, he wasn't the main character. And you don't usually see a movie with Eddie Murphy where he's not the main character. Yeah, that's was So it was was kind of off-putting for a second, but then I'm like, let me see how he does. And his character in this, he's kind of a, a criminal, you know? Okay. But he's not a bad guy per se, but it, it, I mean... It was really interesting the way that they they made his character, and I I was impressed. I'm like, okay, it's good to see Eddie kind of getting out of his now comfort zone. Um, so I mean, you check out Tower Heist. It was an interesting movie. You got Matthew Broderick, Ben Stiller, uh, Eddie Murphy, uh, what's her name, uh, 
uh, the girl from Precious, Gabourey Sidibe, something like that. She's right. in it. Um, and everybody who was in it was great. It was it was a great star-studded cast. And Alan Alda was was in it too. And he was just like, hey, I'm Alan Alda. Whatever. I'm I'm rich and I've got a car that I love and I live in a tower. That was. <laughs> The whole point was they were trying to they, they were mad at him because he basically screwed this whole. Co- oh, I think uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, man, from Ant-Man. Uh, Luis, Luis from Ant-Man. I know oh, who I you're talking his about. Name. Yeah, I, I, I think he's about, in it, yeah. too. Yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's honestly like it's such a it's such a really good movie just because of how many people got together to make it. And you're like, OK, check it out. It worth worth a laugh. I mean, I've watched it a few times. I think maybe only, it's only one of those few times you watch it and then you, you might not need to again. Right. Um, but I'll probably revisit it again at some point just to kind of get back into it. But anyway, Eddie Murphy's character in that was it was different. And I liked seeing him do something different. But I think this is the big issue with comedic actors is they get to a point where they either they either stick to what they've always done and it gets stale and people just forget about them or they make a switch into something else. And then we go, can you go back and do some of the old stuff again, please? Like, do you, do you remember when you when, when you did that? Like, that was pretty good, you know? Um, and, I mean, J- uh, Zach Galifianakis, for example, um, before he was known as the character he plays in The Hangover, which is now the character he plays everywhere, it's the same kind yeah. of character where he's like, he's off and you don't know what it is. He played kind of a funny guy where he was he was like like a sarcastic jerk, you know, and all the stuff he was in. And I thought he was hilarious. It's only a few small supporting parts I've seen him in, but there's a point where, where as soon as he did one thing that people loved, he just stuck with it. Like that was his humor going forward. You know, um, it's like even, even music does that. I think I a mean, better example, I think a better example of a comedic actor that gets stuck is, um, Adam Sandler. I think that's like king of examples when it comes to what you're talking about right now, because he has done the same thing mm-hmm. in every movie that he's done. The past the past 15 years, everything's been about the same. <laughs> it's the same exact humor. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy it. I'll laugh at it. Some of it's funny, but it's like, OK, I mean, he's got the same exact production team. It's always the same people, which he'll he'll throw in. He'll he'll switch out uh, Drew Barrymore for Jennifer Aniston now and again just to, you know, switch it up. But I mean, besides that, it's basically the same movies. Exactly. Um, you know, and then and then he'll do a wacky character like that Hubie Halloween that took place in Salem, Mass, which I mean, it hits home. I grew up near Salem. Uh, I, I mean, I was born in Salem. But then, you know, they did that other movie. Uh, what was that? Um, That's my boy. They actually shot a bunch of that in my old neighborhood in Lynn. I remember watching. I'm like, dude, that's right down the street. <laughs> like, it's it's like two blocks away from my last house. Like, it's it's pretty cool. Um, but, um, yeah. Anyway, the things can get stuck. And I and to go further and not just say movies, but the band Sugar Ray. Like, if you and whatever, say what you want about Sugar Ray, but the, the fact remains, they did they did music and they were kind of a heavier band. You know, their stuff was a lot heavier and he's up there like, like screaming and stuff. And on one of their albums, RPM, they did the song Fly, which is the one that everybody knows from them. You know, I just want to fly. Right. Yep. Since they did that, the record company was like, oh, that one was a huge hit. All of your music has to sound like this now. So now every single song they did that was like California Beach Rock, you know, California Beach, you know, alternative, you know, whatever you want to call that. You know, it wasn't heavy anymore. They toned it all back to make it all sound like fly. I'm like, ugh. You know, I'd like to hear what they did if they went back to some of their older stuff. And it wasn't great before, but the point is, you get to a point in your career where they say, 
you're doing this and this is what people love. Just keep doing this and you're fine. You find your formula and you stick with it. Don't deviate from it. And it's, it's unfortunate to some of the older fans of, of an artist, you know, an artist, when, when they don't go back to what started them in the beginning. They don't go back to their roots. So no, I know that's what you why mean. when you see a movie like this, you see a movie like Coming to America and you say, how is he going to do it? He's either going to completely try to take his new comedy and put it here or he's going to have enough callbacks and find the balance. And as you were saying – as I'm saying about a lot of it, the balance in this movie is a lot better than I expected. I'm yes. very impressed with the balance they use for the comedic style, for the CG, for, for the old references. I don't really have too many issues with it. No. Agreed. Um, Rant so, over. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so moving forward a little bit, um, Prince Akeem and Semi, they're back in New York. They're on the streets. And they're, they they see all these changes that happened. Oh, New York has changed, but not everything has changed. And they see the barbershop, and they walk in. The first thing about this barbershop that I want to mention, the Soul Glow poster is still on the wall, which is absolutely ridiculous that they're they're calling back to this ridiculous part, this ridiculous commercial that was in the original movie. It was phenomenal. Well, they had, they had other posters up there, back. too. It- I think the whole point was that nothing changed. Like nothing they are changed. completely set exactly. in their old ways. They are the the, the poster is still there. They had the other. Po- I forgot what the other poster said, but it said something about 1980, whatever, on the wall. And you're like, okay, like they just haven't changed since since then. And so much like they the did first a really one, good job with that. Much like the first one, they walk in and they're talking about boxing. In the original, they yep. were talking about um, <laughs> they were talking about the you know Cassius Clay or Muhammad Ali. And this one, they're yep, talking yep. about <laughs> this one. They're talking about uh, you know Mayweather, Manapaki, <laughs> They're they're going on about this. And as soon as Akeem and Semi walk in, hey, look who it is: Kunta Kinte and Ebola, Famine and Blood Diamond, I, I was... Nelson Mandela and Winnie. And it it and it's really funny to hear them talking about this. And then the one lone guy sitting in the chair getting his hair cut <laughs> says, "The hungry babies with flies on their face," and that's a step too far. And they have oh, to kick him oh, that's you too can't, far. You can't get can't out. They the kicked babies. him out. We don't talk about the babies. <laughs> they, they literally kicked him out. They didn't just say, they "Hey, that's messed out. up, man." They said, "They're like, get out of my shop." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, oh, that was it was good. great. That was good. It was great. Um. Yeah, so they start talking. I have a son in America, and he shows him this portrait, right? <laughs> and it's this ridiculous portrait of this kid, and they know exactly who he is. We're getting right to the point. I love mm-hmm. movies when they don't spend, you know, a whole bunch of time, you know, wasting time. They just get right to the point. Oh, yeah, I know him. He's a ticket scalper, and he's usually, you know, you know, scalping tickets outside of Madison Square Garden. You should go over there and check him out and yada, yada, yada. And then they get there, and like you were saying earlier. Well, well, first of all, there was the whole there was the whole prophecy. Like you have to follow the Thunderbird, and they're like, "What's the net? What's the mascot's name? It's a it's a bird. Oh yeah, it's a this bird. No, no, it's a Thunderbird. Oh, follow the Thunderbird. Like it all comes together. It's like, oh okay, I like I like how they tied it all in that it's all making sense. This prophecy mm. here, you know, that's where he is, and that's what Baba saw or something. I mean, that that Baba character freaked me out. He it reminded me of um. Actually, that's exactly what I reminded. Do you ever see um, the Frighteners with Michael J. Fox and uh, Gary, uh, no, Jake Busey, um, Jeffrey Combs? It was actually a really cool movie. Uh, Robert Zemeckis, I no, no, yeah, Robert Zemeckis, I think directed it. Um, but in there, you've got what's that guy's name who played Gomez Adams? Uh, 
can't think of his name. He was in it, and he was he was a ghost. He was an old judge, and he he was all decrepit. His teeth were falling out, and everything. He basically reminded me of this character: long hair, but he was balding. Um, so if anybody remembers the judge from the Frighteners, like that's Bubba. So, but yeah, they they go over there and they they walk up. Now here's the thing: like I was mentioning, he goes ahead and he puts on his old, you know, I, I'm clearly a tourist garb. It's it's the the funny thing is he tries to do the opposite. You know, he's like, I don't want to look like a tourist, so let me dress like a tourist. <laughs> still, like he still didn't learn. You know that that's not normal. Um, so but even he goes this, up and even this even this hmm? callback to this outfit is insane because there's okay. First of all, that jacket, the buttons, the hat—they don't make that stuff anymore. There's so I'm no. like, is this the original outfit that he wore? In you know Maybe. eighty eighty six or eighty eight when when this movie was shot it it could possibly be I mean he 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 strikes me as the kind of person that would actually take really good care of his stuff like that like actors and actresses they do things like that all the time they hold on to um yep. to old mm-hmm. uniforms and outfits and things like that that they wore in prior movies for sentimental reasons and I'm wondering wow did he actually dig this stuff out of a closet so I I wouldn't be surprised mm. to find out Maybe. if that was the case it was just it's just those those little paying attention to like details like that is something that really tickles my fancy. I'm not going to lie about that. Like this, this really had me over the edge. I was like, what? That's insane. That's insane that this jacket is all of a sudden the thing again right now in this movie. I couldn't believe it. Right. But so I thought that was really cool. Definitely. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Now the one thing that, that I thought was interesting about it was, um, when he goes and talks to his to his son, basically says, "I'm your father. You know, I'm Prince. I'm Prince Akeem. Um, you know, you're you know, you're my son. We're, we're gonna go to Zamunda, basically." And he just, it seemed as though um, Lavelle just kind of accepted it pretty quickly. Mm. Um, I would have liked more of a like, "Nah, get out of here, man!" And then something else happens, type thing, which you we kinda, get later on. You kind of get a little bit of later that. on you when they get, get a to little the house. bit of that. So yeah, um, you get the whole "I am your father" moment. You have to come to Zamunda with me, and they go back to Lavelle's apartment, and there is his mother. There is Leslie Jones. And they're talking, and Lavelle gets very uppity. I don't need no handouts, and I don't know who you are, and this is my family back here, and very proud, very right. prideful, until the briefcase is semis open, you know, burst <laughs> open, and money and gold bars go everywhere. And it's a call back to the dollar bill, the dollar bill in the original. Mm-hmm. The boy has got his own money. Money. And I, lo- <laughs> I loved it. And Lavelle goes over and picks up this gold bar, and he looks at the bar, he looks at the face in the bar, he looks at Eddie, and Eddie just looks in profile like very like, yes, it is I. And it's the Yes. yes. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, so goofy. It's so amazing. Goofy. So we're off to the races, and all of a sudden, Lavelle is all about going to Zamunda, Leslie Jones is all about going to Zamunda, and we're off. And we get back mm-hmm. to the, pa- the palace, and his wife Lisa is not happy about any of this. <laughs> She's well, she doesn't even know that they're there exactly. She doesn't know that, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about she's not happy that he has you know this son that was out there this whole time and she didn't know. Now, you and and that's what she's mad at about this point, but she doesn't even know that they're there yet. She just knows that they exist, she just knows that they exist. So, you and I had kind of a discussion about this when we were kind of at odds, and I think we're still going to be at odds. I always thought that 
she was upset that he didn't know like oh you didn't know that you had a son you lied to me but i was like okay how is he how is he lying if he himself you know didn't know that this that this child existed he didn't know that he you know had sex with this woman he really right. didn't, he was completely out of it he was drunk he was high you know the whole thing and you were under the impression that she was upset that he even went to america in the first place without telling her that he was going to look for him right and and that's what it comes down to, if you think about it. So, like, if he found out some news like that, she felt left out. Like, why didn't you tell me? We could have discussed this together, you know? And that's that's the biggest thing is, I mean, in any marriage, um, we we tend to not want to bother each other. I mean, this is not just marriage, but it, just in relationship in general. We're, we're a very, our culture, our today's culture is very much independent. We are an independent culture. We want to do everything ourselves. We don't want to share burdens with anybody. It's like, hey, this is my issue. It doesn't really have anything to do with you technically. You know, you weren't involved in this situation. Let me go take care of this, and then we'll discuss it after. But as his wife, she was very, very betrayed. Why didn't you tell me? We're married now. You are my husband now. I'm your wife now. We should be working through things like this together. And she's very much not just like, whatever you wish, my prince, you know? So she's going to have an opinion. She is an actual queen, you know, not just a subservient, um, you know, item. So obviously she's going to have opinions about it. And then, you know, we get that whole whatever. They, they have their argument back and forth. And it, and it makes perfect sense. So it the makes reason perfect why sense. I'm realizing the, that more and more. <laughs> the reason why I kind of disagree with this is because she makes it a point to throw, you know, her past in his face. You know, you don't know about the men that I was with before I met you. Like, she does do that. So it, 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 it strikes me that, you know, she's not upset that he went to America. She's upset that he has a child out there that, you know, he didn't know about and that, mm. that whole thing. I don't think she's so much upset that case. she didn't. If, it, okay, if what you're saying <laughs> is true, why even bring up you don't know what I did before we met? She made because a very she clear had, point Because she has nothing up. else. Because she had, no, she had no other buttons to push. That's why. When you're in the middle of an argument like that, you will find any button you can to try to get the upper hand to make yourself feel better. Again, goes back to an independence, very self-focused um, type of relationship, but that's what it comes down to. Fine. Well, you don't know about this. So it's not a matter of like of, of tit for tat. It's more, I've got something else that I didn't tell you about. Regardless of what it is, it's just it was something that was still related. So that's no, why man. I don't think it's really a matter of that. I think I, I'm I, just... Dude, I've, I've been ver- I've been married for I've been married for almost ten years, and that is what happens. <laughs> I still just think saying. it's an eye for an eye type deal, but whatever, we can agree to disagree. Well, there. it is. It's just it's just it's a different color eye. <laughs> it's sure. a different situation. So Lisa's not happy about any of this. Um, neither is his eldest daughter. <laughs> she is oh, very upset, not. and we're getting. Now we're getting into you know what this movie is actually going to be about. It's very much you know. Mm-hmm patriarchal society over there in Zamunda a male has to you know be be uh be Akeem's heir it cannot be a woman you know we find out I'm gonna get ahead of myself here but we find out later on in the film that his eldest daughter has been training you know for this role her entire life and she feels very Mm -hmm. betrayed and right you know spoiler warning but you know everything gets resolved but I kind of understand where she's coming from here like she's nobody's happy about this and even (laughs) even when you know, Mary, Leslie Jones, and and Lavelle, you know, come into the, the palace and they're all there. It's very awkward. You know, Akeem's like one big happy family and it's very weird. It's so, wow. 
I don't know when this happens for whatever reason I have it in my notes now, but we cut to General Izzy and his army and they're training for whatever. Half of them are training with shake weights. Like they're in a courtyard and they're supposed to be oh, working right. out, but they have the shake weights going on and it looks very subjective. And then there are even mm-hmm. two who are training by playing Dance Dance Revolution. And I thought that this was hilarious. Right. You need um, a minute? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll put you in a brief hold. Sorry, my wife's been sick for two straight days, so I just have to make sure she's okay. All right, continue. Uh, yeah, Dance Dance Revolution, if you want to just take that. Yeah, so so <laughs> at this point, uh, we got Shake Weights and DDR. They yeah. are training hard on Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> They're not just, I, I and saw it, this. It's funny, it's even funnier because you have this guy who's like standing in the back like overseeing them playing Dance Dance Revolution and like like slapping <laughs> like this braided stick at them. Like I don't know what the point of that was, but it was it was it was hysterical. Like this whole thing was it was hilarious. Yeah, it's just keep going, keep going. Come on. You can do better than that. It's like really? Well, Okay, this is... What are they training for? I have no idea. <laughs> what are they training to do? <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh, my God. So, I just... I, I wanted to make a point of saying that. It was really funny. Um, we get back to Lisa and Akeem, and they're in, you know, their bedroom, and they're getting ready for bed, and they're having a talk about Mika and how she can't be his heir because she's a woman, and they go through the whole thing, and Lisa's very upset. And com- Akeem completely misreads the room, and he goes into this whole thing about, I have been on a long travel, and I am very tired. I was wondering if maybe we could... Uh, <laughs> and he's, he's, he's basically, you know, trying to get some action before he goes to bed, and Lisa's not having any of it. And then it's immediately, oh, uh... I should I should really I should really suck up right now. Oh, Good night, oh, my sweet. Oh. Good night, my darling. And it's, it's Eddie, Eddie Sorry, my doing sweet. this. Scene. I love you, my sweet. Sweet it dreams, my it. sweet. <laughs> oh my god, it was, it was great. It was great. Um, we cut to Lavelle the next morning, and he's getting ready to get a bath by three gorgeous women who are all speaking in unison for whatever reason, which I, I guess added a little something. I, I I never understood that when they do that in movies where you have, like, characters who are speaking in unison or all together for whatever reason. It's just, it's a joke that always falls flat with me. I don't understand that. Maybe that's just me, though. Um, mm. Yeah, he's going to get a bath. He doesn't know what to do about this. He goes to see his mother, who's in her own jacuzzi, and she tells him, go be a prince. Go get that bath. And then, (laughs) very raunchy, this dude comes up out of the water. The royal privates are clean or whatever. And she's just, just just a little bit more. And then this poor guy goes back under the water, and I'm like, this guy can't breathe. I'm like, I, okay, whatever. Um, Yep. Yep. So, uh, 
Yeah. So Prince Lavelle, uh, he's getting his hair done by a, another very beautiful woman who's a um, a barber. We'll get more to her later. And then one of my favorite scenes in the movie, we're back in the throne room. And General Izzy shows up. And there's going to be a wedding. And he introduces his daughter. And they go through this entire print sequence where they're doing a, a, a get-off uh, spoof video type deal and I thought it was really funny because Leslie Jones turns to uh, turns to Lavelle and smacks him across the face you know this song so you're gonna go put some purple on this and I thought that was really great that was hilarious okay <laughs> um, so we get a news conference that I thought was kind of funny too uh, called ZNN and it's this guy who's standing there and he's talking about how apparently Akeem has a son. And to the men of Zamunda, whether or not he's, you know, capable of serving, he is a man, and that's good enough for us. And it was <laughs> Mika's watching this in disgust. It's awesome. Yep, you were saying? I'm waiting for you, man. You you clearly need a minute. <laughs> yep, continue. Just let me know when you're ready or start talking. I don't even know. Okay. So, we go through the new sequence, and then we get this We get this really weird montage where uh, Lavelle has to learn how to be a prince. He has to learn how to walk and talk like a prince and be presentable, and then he has to go through this whole history, and they run down the gamut of old Jaffas who have ruled over Zamunda. We get Jampu, we get Jakov, and we get <laughs> the mighty Joachim Jaffa, who's the most handsome of all the Jaffas, and it's just Eddie Murphy in a long loincloth with a bunch of bones around his neck. Of course it is. It's just, it's ridiculous. <laughs> just playing on the whole I'm the best in the world humor, which they do later on again with, uh, foreskin but i guess we'll get there <laughs> yeah we'll get there in a second um lavelle and his uh his barber friend they have a really you know long heart to heart later on and lavelle's having a really hard time at this point he doesn't know exactly how to be a prince of zamunda he only knows who he is from back home and you get the whole thing about well you have to be who you are back home and they sit down and they go through everybody knows the legend of prince akeem and his in his path to find his love or whatnot. And <laughs> the barbaric land of Queens. He did battle with bug-eyed burglars, and you cut to this image of Samuel L. Jackson from the first movie, and it was just hilarious just because to get he him was in there. very bug-eyed. Hmm? Yep. Just to get him in there. Just just, just to it. get him in there. Exactly. Just to get him in there. Foul month Bob is Was he actually credited and, for that? Excuse me? Was he actually credited for in the movie for that? I don't know. He was he was credited as burglar in the original one. Right. 
Like he didn't have a name or anything. He was credited as burglar in the original one. I don't know what they did in this. I didn't. I didn't uh, read every name in the credits. <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering. I'm like, I wonder if you actually have to um, put something in there. I'm sure but. they did. I'm sure they did towards the end. I mean, I think it's kind of a legal thing at that point. Like you have to credit people who are in yeah. the movie. Or um, uh, maybe maybe not, or maybe they just used that they u- they just put in that that they used clips from that movie, and that was enough as far as legal. Just saying, we um we use clips from this film, and they don't have to go ahead and and put everybody who was shown in it. Possible, maybe. Hmm. Possible. So, anyways, yeah, b- uh, bug-eyed burglars, foul-mouthed barbers, and sexist men of the cloth, and it's just you know, Osinio Hall oh, is the uh, the priest from the original movie. Um, he has to win the heart of the woman that he loves. And the whole moral of this is you have to be your own person. You have to, you know, come up with your own style and don't be the prince from, you know, uh, Zamunda, be the prince from Queens. And it's a whole learning experience for him. And it's really, this is what I was talking about before where, um, Eddie Murphy and his comedic style, how it went from, you know, really eighties, really adult to heartwarming. This is where it kind of starts to bleed in a little bit here where he, there's, there's clearly a mix. And I think it's a really good job. I think this whole thing was really good job from top to bottom. The, um, the montage here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. It was, it was really well put together. And cool. again, it's just, it comes down to balance. And when you, you see a movie that comes out 30 years later, even a movie that's 10, 10, 20 years later, they usually don't do a good job. It's usually just, you know, it's either fan service or just way, you know, nowhere near it, you know, and it becomes that kind of issue. But I will say, I will say that the only other movie that I've seen that did a really good job 30 plus years later, uh, Blade Runner uh, 2049 was a really good movie. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was definitely impressed with the way they did, they handled that as well. Um, so Prince Lavelle and Akeem, they're out in the field and they're you know having a chat. And we were talking earlier about you know over the top CGI and this ridiculous elephant comes out of nowhere and it's so clearly clearly fake and it just kind of sucked me out of it for a moment. And I I really wasn't happy with that. I thought that was a little bit over the top, especially when it comes to CGI. Like, it's really, it's really easy. Like, and I, I said before, like, I'm I'm usually blind to a lot of things that, that CGI does. Like, I don't pay attention to it all that much. But this, like, just everything about this, the lighting, the way that, you know, the two characters were kind of looking, like, way up, like, <laughs> like, mimicking that they were looking at this giant elephant. But it was, like, clearly, like... It was all out. It was all over the place. I that's that's one thing that I could have done without. Yeah, I didn't mind it. I I liked I liked the fact that they actually brought it back as Babar. Like yeah. it wasn't just some random elephant. It's like, oh hey Babar, I've known Babar since we were kids. I think he went a little too far with explaining too much about that. But it would have been just like, oh hey Babar, like any. I, I like. Mm, we we've talked about this before too. I like jokes that don't go too far beyond. Like if you don't understand the Easter egg in the joke then you don't get it. That's fine. You know, I like little things that are nods to people who are, who have a good enough memory, you know, who are the OG fans, you know, the Mm -hmm. original. That's the whole point. Like I, I like, I like that. I want to, if I wear a t-shirt that's for a movie, I don't want it to say Star Wars. I want it to be like uh, the Star Wars shirt that I have that just says Moss Eisley Cantina, where our, uh, our, yeah, Moss Eisley Cantina, where our friends don't like you and we don't like you either. Like you have to understand what that means to get the joke. You wouldn't yeah. just say, oh, that's Star Wars, you know? So it's just saying, oh, hey, like, 
oh, hey, oh, that's Babar, or hey, Babar, again, you know, just something that threw it back there. But, I mean, whatever, they didn't go too, too far with it. Um, but that's what, that's what makes comedy good, you know. If you're trying to shove things down people's throats who don't know it, and you have to say, like we've talked about before, that one line that's in Robin Hood Men in Tights, where they all go, a black sheriff, and Dave Chappelle's like, hey, it worked in Blazing Saddles. Like, just don't go that far. <laughs> we got the joke. If you've wa- if you're watching this Mel Brooks film, chances are you've watched the other one. So don't overkill the joke, please. I've got I can friends imagine. Who do that. I can. I. You know what? I can actually imagine. There's quite a bit of um of casual moviegoers who will watch this movie who didn't see the original. I can see that. Yeah, I know. But that's. But the thing is that again. What's the real point of of going above and beyond and and going too much into the backstory of who Babar is? No, you, you didn't. Know? You didn't. You didn't need to do that. But I understand why they did it. Yeah, I understand so, why they did it too because they were they were working it into the story. I get it. Yeah. But um, the thing is, I I think my my point was more on just other things I've seen, other other movies, other references I've seen in different things where it's just like, please, 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 don't think we're stupid. Don't spell it out for us. No, I know. Let what you us mean. enjoy the joke as an Easter egg. And for and and that but, on that I agree. You know, I don't like going to a movie and being treated like an idiot. I don't want to be spoon fed every everything. I want I want to be able to you know figure out things for myself. You don't have to always hold my hand. I mean, it's never. I'm not going to get into that whole thing right now. Um, so. We get this whole thing about now we have to test his courage. You know, we tested, we taught him how to walk like a prince. We taught him, you know, the history of Zamunda. Now he has to, you know, do something that, you know, involves courage. And he has to get the whiskers off of a lion with a very small pair of scissors. And <laughs> I am quincing because lions, you know, Africa, wildlife, that whole thing. No, thank you. Not, not for me at all. I don't want any part of it. Um, that's Quincy. That is that me. when you act like Quincy Jones or something? What is that? What is that a combination of wincing and squinting? Wincing. Or... Yeah. What? 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 What's quincing? I didn't say quincing. I said wincing. I heard quincing. Okay. What? <laughs> I wonder if that is anything. Quincy. Anyways, I got so I got quinceanera. <laughs> Anyways, I'm I'm wincing at this point because I I don't do the whole big cat thing. That's 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 a little bit much for me. I like cats, but ugh. It, no. So we get the whole scissors thing, and then it, something really weird happens. Lavelle and Mika they somehow make peace. Like they have a little bit of a tiff, and then all of a sudden it's off to the races, and they're going to help each other, or Mika's going to help Lavelle. That's one criticism that I will have about this movie. Things moved a little bit too fast for me. You know what I mean? Like I, I could have dealt with a little bit. Let's let's drag this out a little bit. Let's have something happen in between. You know, the two of you not really liking each other, or or Mika feeling jealous in a way. Let's have an event happen that changes her mind, and then she comes around. Not just oh, we're gonna argue. Let's just forget about all that, and I'm gonna help you now. Like really, like that was a little, eh, eh. I could have dealt without that. Um. They build a big cage and they put cat food all over it to to trap this. Yeah. Well, not trap this animal, but the cage for him to get inside. There's cat food on the outside, smeared all over this bamboo cage, and this lion begins to eat the cat food. And then he clips the whiskers, and I got him. And now we're all back in the throne room, and it's a big celebration until they um talk about the ceremonial circumcision. 
and again, <laughs> I'm I'm it's cringe. I am not I am not having a good time with this at all because this they bring out this massive block of wood and it's stained like right where it should be. Like there's a hole for you to stick your penis in and it's stained there with I'm guessing is is you know blood that stained this wood and it's very wow, they're gonna go through with this. And they bring out Baba, who has what appears to be a lot of foreskin. And they're going down the line of, like, the past three Jaffers who have ruled. And then you get to Akeem's, and it's this massive piece of skin. And it's absolutely disgusting. I wanted to throw up in my mouth a little bit when I saw this. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it was It was pretty bad. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but... No, but my favorite part was when he finally is like, okay, fine, let's do this. And he goes up there, like, just a, just a little bit. And they do it. <laughs> and Baba picks it up with the knife and sticks it in his mouth. And I'm going, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then he picks up the rest and he goes, uh, potato. <laughs> yeah, it was all a joke and everybody starts laughing at him. And it's, it, was, it was really... It was epic, though. It was and it was epic. actually really funny. Like, it, it, was, it a, was definitely, like, it was a, it was a you know, a, a fart humor joke. But it was so well put together. He's like, ah, potato. I'm like, oh man. Like they 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 hit they hit the punchline perfectly. It was so perfectly done where you're you're still feeling queasy about it, but you're like, okay, that was pretty funny. So and when, then when he picks it up, he picks it up with a knife and it's just like this little like sausage potato thing. Like that was it was a weird looking potato, but whatever. Anyway. Oh my God! Even Tracy Morgan, they're gonna sharpen your tool, nephew. Like even that was funny. <laughs> Tracy Morgan, the way that he delivers certain lines, like nobody else would be able Every to line. accomplish. I can't imagine anybody else that would be in a big budget movie like this that would be able to deliver a line like they're gonna sharpen your tool, like Tracy Morgan. He's the only one that would be able to pull something like that off, and it was perfect for him. It was amazing. You know, I really miss. I really miss scare tactics. When he used to host that, that was hilarious. He's like, "Oh man, that was scary," you know. Like he would just, it was he just Tracy Morgan to everything. Like he's he's very he's very specific in in the way that he he acts. Like nobody, he's he's completely himself. You know, you know, you see a lot of actors and some co- uh, comedy people. Where you're like, oh, they're reminiscent of so and so. Like Tracy Morgan is just himself. Yeah, he's original. I can't think he's of any. I, he, he he's a very original guy. He has he has his mannerisms about him and the way he acts. And you know, even after his car accident, I was like, oh man, I hope he's I hope he's all yeah. right. You know, there was there was a moment was, there was a moment there there was a moment there after that car wreck that it was like he might mm. not you know well he's gonna survive Bounce this back. but he might not come back. You know the the, right. the reports coming out after his accident was not looking all that great. Like I think it was in a coma for a while and there was some brain damage Mm -hmm. that was done and it was just, it was really grim and it was just like, Oh man, he's it's, 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 it's over for him. And just, he was able to, to bounce back and make a recovery and what a resurgence of his career. Like it's a, it's incredible. It was the one time in the past 15 years that I actually made it a point to sit down and watch SNL, you know, that first night that he hosted after, after the wreck, like his first big appearance and the ovation that he got from that audience was, was breathtaking. I, it's, it's one of those moments from SNL that I'll cherish for the rest of my life was when he, you know, made that comeback and he was there and it was awesome. And even, Mm -hmm. even, you know, to talk about that, you know, that opening 
that opening dialogue for a second, he didn't harp on it. Like, he talked about it for mm-hmm. a second, he thanked everybody, and then it was immediate, like, I'm going to be Tracy Morgan all over again, and here we go, and we're off to the races with this. And it was it was, it was, was right. absolutely fa- fabulous. So, I mean, all credit to him. God bless the man. He, he was able to survive that and come back, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um... We get we get something else that's funny here. Prince Akeem is like, you are willing to sacrifice what's most important to a man, what's most sacred to a man. <laughs> and Lavelle's like, my penis? No, your pride. And they go yeah. to crown him, and he just passes out. Oh, he's done. Oh, my God. He hit the ground really hard, and they're all just looking at him. Um, We get more from this barber uh, woman that he's um, smitten over. And it's really obvious mm-hmm. at this point that it's going to be like kind of a retelling of the first one. You know, you go to a foreign land, there's an arranged marriage and you find your own, you know, woman and everything. And that's clearly what's going on here. And here's something about this. Here's one more thing about this movie that I really appreciated. They make fun of itself. So they're going on about American cinema. And she thinks American cinema is the best. And he is offended by this in, in so many ways. He, all we have is superhero movies, remakes, and sequels of old <laughs> movies no one ever asked for. And I had right. to pause the movie and I started, I was laughing so hard because I'm like, they actually made fun of themselves. And that's always the sign of a good film when it can either reference itself in a really clever way or in a comedy, make fun of itself. And they pulled that off here with flying colors. It was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It was it was really well. I mean, we've I think we've been seeing that a lot lately in different movies, especially com- uh, comedy movies where they, they give that kind of a nod to like, hey, I, I can't. I uh, There's one in my head right now, but I can't um, pinpoint it where they kind of like stop and they might as well just stop and look at the TV screen for a second, like look at the camera for a moment and be like, yeah, I mean, we can't just do this, right? <laughs> you know, but that's, that's that, that it's sort of a, in the way they're doing it, there is almost a fourth wall break. They're making fun of themselves and, but so they, they know what they are. But the thing was, again, with the balance of this movie, they did a great job. So they really, they're, they're making fun of what they're doing, but what they're doing didn't fall into the, the normal trope of just, you know, what it's always been. You know, it's not just, you know, Trying to think if they do, and they've been talking about this for a while now. In Austin Powers Four, if we if they do an Austin Powers Four, I mean the third one was already so far away from the original. Like, what are yeah. they going to do with the fourth one? Like, what's that even going to be? And it's been so long, you know. And his humor has even changed. That's oh, I forgot we were going to. I was going to get into that Mike Myers and his humor. You know, he starts off with Wayne's World. You know, I mean, starts off with he did SNL obviously for years, but mm-hmm. as far as uh, film. Wayne Wayne Campbell was his first big starring uh, role in a film, and it was it was great. That was a character that he pulled off, and it was perfect for what it was. And as his humor changed, as he did different things, you noticed certain parts of his character start to intermingle and and get a little messed up. So um, when Wayne and Garth came back, like they hopped up on SNL once they did like a TV commercial at one point. So in the past few years, we've seen them reprise their roles, both Dana Carvey and Mike Myers. And when they do, he, I noticed he was using like Austin Powers lines, you know, or Austin Powers like lines as Wayne Campbell. And I'm like, Ooh, no, don't do that. Like, all it's showing is that you've gone so far in your career and, and in your style that you're just, you know, it all just kind of runs together anymore. You can't just tap back into your character and be it, you know, you lost it. 
So it's it's disappointing when we see that, but I, I'm not seeing that in this movie. You know, I'm not seeing that they did that at all here. Eddie Murphy did a great job reprising his role, and I'm yes. very impressed. Speaking about, often a little tangent here, speaking about there being, you know, any kind of Austin Powers 4, I don't even know what that would look like because it's not like in mm. 2021 or even 2022, 2023, whenever that movie gets released, I don't see Yeah Baby being funny at all. Oh, no. It was it was Mm-mm. funny in 97, and it's not going to hit now, especially no. since I don't underst- I don't see how you make a spoof of 007 now since Daniel Craig is crushing it as um as James Bond. So I don't I, I don't I don't get it. Like I get, you know, making fun of the older films. I get, you know, I, and I would even get, you know, paying, you know, some kind of homage to um oh my god, what's his name? I'm blanking on his name. Help me. The original 007. Oh, well, Sean Sean Connery, Connery, Roger Moore. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. I I could see paying some kind of homage to Sean Connery in a way, if that's the direction that they're going to go. But anything else, like that character that Mike Myers played, I don't don't see it landing today. (laughs) I, I just don't. Especially in, like, you know, we were talking earlier about PC culture, like this climate. Like, there's no way. There's no mm-hmm. way that character gets made today. Zero chance. No. So no. it's, I don't know. I don't know about all that. Um, Where were we? Anyways. So we're talking about the conversation between them. Yeah, and the they're outside and they're having a conversation and we find out that it's, it's her dream to own a barbershop. But, you know, women in Zamunda can't own businesses much like, you know, Mika can't rule. It's the whole patriarchy thing. And it's a system that eventually is going to be broken down. That's kind of the point of this film. Um, he says, well, I'm going to be Prince and I'm going to promise you there's going to be some changes. She's skeptical. And then for some reason, they have a very romantic kiss that she immediately feels guilty about because he is a prince and he is, you know, going to wed this other woman and takes off. And we cut to this massive party and it's a spoof of, uh, Akeem's meeting with his bride to be in the first one where he's asking her questions. What do you like? And she's just answering back, whatever it is you like, whatever is your favorite movie, whatever business you want to run. And he just goes, I want a connection with the person I'm going to spend my life with, but I am just a wife. And at that point, that That was amazing. (laughs) That was such a great line. I'm so glad they did that because it just, it just proved the, the whole, like, wow. Like it it just proved the whole point of how that marriage is getting like backwards, you know, Mm -hmm. over there. It's just like, it's just, it's just a, it's just a legal thing for, um, for governmental issues and she's like but i'm just a wife and she says it not like not so much confused but she's like but i'm just a wife yeah i'm not gonna be those things for you i can't be those things for you i'm just to be here i'm just an i'm just a an item that you're obtaining it's like wow so i I thought i just i don't know i if you want to blow past it that's fine but i just thought for a second it just took it was a very valid thing to kind of stop and just take a second uh, look at it's it's very very impactful because yeah. it just it shows the whole important the the entire way that they were looking at marriage over there and it's exactly what Akeem didn't want and it's exactly what Lavelle doesn't want you know shows that they're both they're both men of honor they're both men not just like oh I just take what here what's here like they want to actually have uh, value in the life that they're going to be living and that's something that we need to recognize you know we don't want to just 
I mean, there's there's two sides of it. You know, marriage, whatever. I can I can go on forever about it, but marriage is it's work. Marriage is work. You know, but there is also a level of connection that you have to have, and there are times where you might lose that connection. You know, mm. the times you might lose the same interests, you might you might lose that spark, if you will. But the difference between that and anything else is determination and commitment. You make a commitment, you know, you're committed. That's what you do. And um, even during times that are challenging, you have to work through it. If you don't work through it, then what's the point of even doing it in the beginning? You know, we see a lot of divorces. We see a lot of things happen because people get married for the wrong reasons. And here in this movie, in both of these movies, we've got these two main characters that don't want to get married for the wrong reasons. And I, I just think it's it's nice to see. You know, we yeah. don't really see that much in movies now. You know, no, the point not is they all. want to actually they they want to do it for for the right reasons, but they also want they also understand it's a commitment, and they're not going to just say, "Hey, let me just get married now, and then we'll get divorced, and I'll find somebody I like better." You know, which is today's culture. People move on from marriage to marriage, just like you know, dating, and it's it's sad to see. You know? I think another I think another big point that this scene was trying to make is um just how much Akeem has lost a lot of who he was, you know, whether it's mm. um maybe maybe it's just the fact that he's, you know, he's in Zamunda and he's in this position of power and everybody's looking to him for leadership and he has to, you know, keep with tradition and keep with the rules and he kind of lost a lot of, you know, who he was in the original movie and he he very much isn't the person that Lisa fell in love with, you know, in the beginning and it's 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 a lot of him slowly realizing that he has to get back to his roots so to speak, which is another you, really you know what's, uh, it's it's another really great message that the film um that the film gives off and I I really appreciate that as well. Jeez. Okay. Um so Sorry, no, I, I I lost you. <laughs> hmm? I, I lost you there for a second. My Bluetooth's dying. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's it's funny because they brought up a lot in this movie that he was not the same person he was. I didn't really see that. I just saw that he was in the position that he was in, which was he has to do what he has to do, and he's in, he's there. So he probably has this mindset of yes, this is how I used I, I would have done something. But he's kind of he's kind of bypassing that. He's bypassing it because he's he's where he is, and he's thinking well. I was this way. It doesn't mean that everybody's that way. He's probably fine just marrying whoever. You know, he's not really thinking about it like, oh, he probably has a, a heart like I do and wants to have a real relationship, you know? Right. Well, in the first movie, he was very much spitting in the face of authority. You know, he was going mm-hmm. against the grain. He wasn't going to, you know, agree to this arranged marriage and he was going to leave and find his own wife and fall in love and, you know, right. bring someone back from America who wasn't, you know, Zamunda. And, and, and his father was very much against it. His mother was all for it. But it, it was just a whole thing. And you did get this sense like, OK, especially at the end of the first movie, you did get this sense the sense of a lot of things, you know, in this Zamundan culture is going to change with him, you know, there. Uh, maybe I'm reading too much into it because it is a comedy, but it's it's very much there in, in this movie. And it was really yeah. cool to see. Um, Big time. <laughs> we get we get Lisa and Mary, who are now friends. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing that they just kind of, you know, glossed over. Like, everybody everybody in this movie, you know, made up and, and made nice really, really fast without anything that, you know, any 
connecting dots. It was just jumping from one point to another, which, again, it's one thing that I'll harp on because it's it moved a little bit fast for me, but whatever, I'll forgive it. And It does move fast, but the thing is, they could have they could have done what every other movie does, which is spend so much time focusing on these relationships, but then you have to remember a simple fact. This is a comedy movie. You're right. You're we right. We can't get we can't get too deep. They can't they can't just sit there and focus so much on these differences and issues with people in their relationship like, hey, the whole point was that they were bringing queens to Samunda and they were bringing they were reminding Akeem who he was and reminding Lisa who she was, you know, mm. so it's it's a it's a blending and it made a lot of sense. No, I anyway, I, I absolutely I absolutely agree with you. It's just I I wanted to make a point of it because in almost every you know every review that you and I do, we spend we spend some time talking about balance, and this is one thing in this movie that felt a little bit off balance to me, just how fast everything moved. That's all. That's that. That's all I was gonna say. But anyways, they're at the bar. They're getting hammered, and they start doing the Humpty dance. And I don't know why they decided to do the Humpty Dance. This movie was filmed, made, and released before uh, DJ Shock died. DJ Shock, for anybody who doesn't know, is the guy with the nose who was right. in Digital Underground. Um, right, it, this right. was this was made before he passed away, so I, I don't know what that means, what that says. It's 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 kind of creepy to me in a way that they they made a reference to a guy, and you know, a, a few weeks later, he um he ends up you know passes away. Um, he was really mm. young too. He was only like fifty something. He was under. He was under fifty five. He wasn't that old. So I'm wondering if he was sick or something. It was really tragic. Um, so Lavelle, um, is coming to a decision that he does not want to be a part of this arranged marriage. But he overhears a conversation between Izzy and Akeem, and it's mm. kind of taken a little bit out of context here. I did feel it's, kind of bad for Akeem. It's always taken out of context. Yeah, it was. It was taken a, out. They of, do. They do this in so many movies. And here is this is a character flaw of mine. This is actually a really, really good point. So you see this movie, and he comes up and he goes, "You did this and you did this. Hey, now you're thinking like a king. Ha ha. You're ruthless. Ha, ha, I love you." And when he walks he's, off, he's is he and, is he's and, very and Akeem much is just standing there like, oh. Yeah, not, that was not my plan. Izzy's very um, much painting this picture of you know Akeem being this you know master you know chess player, chess player you know master politician. Oh, great move finding a son. You know you saved your you, you saved yourself with with this one. And Akeem doesn't say anything. He just kind of stands there and he looks and you you know it's the the classic scene of a character who's looking kind of guilty about what's going on. And this isn't what I meant to do, but. Um, Lavelle only overhears one side of this this conversation and completely takes it out of context. And he runs off, grabs his barber friend, grabs his mother, and they're off. They we find out later that they basically steal this jet and they book it back to America. Which I mean, <laughs> it's funny later because, um, Semi and Akeem they're having a talk about how they left. And he makes, Simi makes an offhanded comment about Mary, and I forget what he said, and Akeem's like, be careful, that is still the mother of my child. She took the royal mm-hmm. jet. That thieving, um, yeah, <laughs> right. that, that, that thieving, right, that that thieving woman. <laughs> it was really funny. So, it was really yeah, they, funny they the they way it worked out. Oh, yeah, no, it was perfect. I, I think that's the whole thing. Like, we get that, too. We saw that earlier where he's just like, no, don't do this. And then he turns. Um, he did that earlier with the whole like, you know, come, come at me, you know. He's like, whatever you want to say, <laughs> yeah. we're going to America, <laughs> you know. So it's just that that that's a a common humor. It's like, oh, nothing you say could bother me. 
and then it's like die. <laughs> so so yeah, he I, I like that switch. He doesn't immediately go after them. They're um um oh my god, Lisa and Akeem. They're back in his bedroom and they're having this conversation. And finally, we get to it where Lisa's absolutely had enough. Mika should be your heir. She's been training for this her entire life, and you just overlooked her for this child that you don't even know, and it's a whole thing, and they get into an argument, and she ends up kicking him out of his bed, and it's really funny, because he's, are you really going to kick me out of my bedroom? Are you mad? Do I look like I'm hopping on one foot barking like a dog? And it was hysterical. And even the people who are outside of the room, they look and they see this and they just take (laughs) off. (laughs) They just leave. They're like, okay, we're out. Um, Then we get to, okay, we get to the scene where Akeem is mopping a floor inside of a McDowell's restaurant that's in Zamunda for some reason. And Mr. McDowell walks in and... They have this heart-to-heart father-son type conversation that begins with good intention, but just turns into the differences between McDowell's and McDonald's. And for some reason, this is everything that Akeem needed to hear. And they, they, they talk about how when he invented the McFlurby, he got, you know, threats for McDonald's lawsuits and lawyers and cease and desist orders and copyright infringements and it's just this ridiculous conversation that i was wondering where it was going and then we don't put our toppings on the top like the mcflurry we put them on the bottom it's not the golden arches it's the golden arcs and what are we doing i i didn't really know what to make of this it was funny but it was like okay i i guess that was the inspiration that Akeem needed to go to America to find his son again. So we're back in America and we're in the barbershop and Akeem's looking for his son all over again. And these barbershop people are having this really disgusting conversation about some bad Chinese food in an emergency dump. And Akeem just goes, silence. I have no time to hear about your bowel movements. <laughs> Um, Izzy shows up back at the palace and he's very upset that he, he's not going to get the wedding that he wanted. And Mika and her sisters handle business. They fight off the attackers and things on that end are pretty much resolved. Um, we then come to this wedding that Levi and Lavelle and Levi, Lavelle and, uh, and his barbershop friend. I don't know her name. I, I can't believe that I never managed to write down her name. So I, I, I apologize. Um, I'm just going to keep calling her, you know, barbershop lady. Um, we get to this wedding that's basically a crack house. And Arsenio Hall is reprising his role as the pastor from the first movie. And it's hysterical. Um, there isn't a whole lot of, you know, time, you know, put on this. And <laughs> Akeem shows up. It's... He very much has this, you know, coming to terms moment that he can't control what his son does. His son is going to, you know, marry who he wants to marry. He's immediately reminded of who he was and everything is forgiven. Everything is forgotten. And he sits down to enjoy this wedding until this barbershop woman, you know, says, I don't want to get married here. I want to get married into Zamunda. And like you said earlier, Akeem stands up and decrees that he will bring queens to Zamunda. And yep. Yep. That's. (laughs) Oh my that's god! That's what he did. That, that, <laughs> he that's exactly what back. he did. That's exactly right what he down, did. right down to Randy Watson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll, Which we'll get there. I was like, well, I mean, whatever. I mean, we know what's happening there. They have their big gigantic wedding with their gigantic dress that was like taking up 
pretty much the size of my garage. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was crazy. But I mean, the ending of it, you're sitting there saying, you know, there's somebody who wasn't brought back here. And why wouldn't they be brought back if they're played by Eddie Murphy? And sure enough, they did. And I'm like, OK, good. It made sense. It fit exactly where it needed to fit. And he was as horrible as he always was. Wasn't even good. But yet the barbershop <laughs> guys are just dancing to it. Yeah. I'm so, sorry. Did I, did I jump way beyond some other stuff you want to touch upon? I think this is pretty no, much no, the no. End you, you, you just you just skip right <laughs> to the end. I did I did want to say that this whole this whole end sequence where there's the wedding and everything is happy and everything is resolved, and you know Randy Watson is there on stage and he's singing um you know oh my god what we are family and then the the rapper twins from the first movie come out and they're massively overweight oh. i apologize but they're 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 and you get the same shot of simi and akeem with their mouths you know jaws open looking at this and oh my god i can't believe what i'm watching and that was a <laughs> last real you know call back to the original and then basically that's the end of the movie it's over we're done but you know going back to what i you know said throughout this entire thing i was shocked with you know how funny and how good this movie actually was given that you know it has been over 30 years since the original the original movie is a classic does this movie does this movie recapture any of that you know from the original absolutely not the original is a classic comedy film this is not a classic comedy film it's good for what it is i'm glad that they did it i'm glad that they have it this is not something that i will revisit very often, not the way that I revisit the original. I watch the original, you know, once every couple of years, you know, if I'm lucky. I'm not going to watch this, you know, again, anytime soon, if ever. Um, but it, it, it's good for what it was. It served a purpose <laughs> and it was really funny and, and I enjoyed it, you know, through and through. So, and that's uh, that's the way that I'm going to end things on that one. Um, if you have anything that you want to say before we uh, wrap it up. No, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm just right. I'm very happy with the, that they did a really they balanced everything. You know, it's that's the biggest thing. I mean, my my tag for this entire thing is balance. I'm just very impressed that after all these years, they managed to balance the comedy, the you know the visuals. They meant they did everything. The writing it was it was just really well put together, and I'm impressed that they were able to to pull it off the way they did because in any other situation, this would have been a flop. You know, it could have turned out yeah, so right. much worse than it did. And that's why I'm I'm impressed by it. All right. Well, I think we're done. We're done? I'm done. Okay, you're done. I'm done too. Um have a good one, everybody. We'll be back after a while. Bye. Have a good one. <laughs>